Kaysan, and hello. Welcome to Nordic Insights, where I introduce you to high-achieving Nordics and Nordic-inspired people with niche expertise in business, lifestyle, education, innovation, tech, travel, and more. I'm your host, Satu Raunola, a Finn passionate about all things Nordic, as well as yoga, running, sustainability, well-being, and great coffee. Listen in for some tips on Nordic approaches to a happier and more holistic business and personal life. Join me to explore Nordic common sense and trends in this complex world. This podcast is delivered to you every Wednesday. The Nordic region regularly produces outstanding female presidents, prime ministers and business leaders. On average, almost three in every four working-age Nordic women are in paid employment. The gender equality is really inbuilt in our genes. However, to be a young female Nordic leader championing gender equality in very male-dominated corporate culture is not an easy task. My guest today, Norwegian Silly Banningham, is a successful HR professional who has been making pro-equality waves in the corporate world throughout her career. She talks about her resilience and determination she has gained as a child living an outdoor life in Norway. Silja also co-founded a startup called Anorakki, which sells modernized versions of traditional Nordic Anorak jackets that last a lifetime. She talks about how the idea of Anorakki came about and how she has able to bring a piece of Nordic culture to ANZ. Let's hear from Silja. So Silja, you... Are Norwegian. You have a very big corporate career. You live in Melbourne. You have lovely family with four children, and you are in this middle of the COVID crisis. So, what's your life today? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, there's no doubt that it's a little bit tough going being back into lockdown stage two again here in Melbourne or the second time we're we're into uh into lockdown and juggling the reality of work family homeschooling and i think that um you know really it, really feeling at the moment the the reality of of how our life is changed and might well be changed uh, as as we know it before and 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 i see both within my workplace and myself and my family that that well, there's a bit there's some fatigue going on at at the moment uh but i think also on the flip side of that we've got so many things to also be really grateful for we've got you know excellent health care we've got running water um and if i look at some of the other uh countries uh, that we have uh, at my work uh, like the philippines or or india they're doing it really really tough at the moment um and are having a huge kind of impact on 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 society so i i i feel grateful for what i have but there is there is there is no doubt that is it is a bit tough going at the moment but i'm so pleased to be here such because i've long wanted to kind of reconnect with the the nordic community so this is a little bit of ray of sunshine for me so thank you for having me oh that's really lovely now how did you end up actually in melbourne and You were born in Norway, right? 
Yes, yes. So I've been in Melbourne now coming up to uh, 11, 11 years. And I was born in Drummond, which is a small town just outside uh, Oslo in, in Norway, where I, where I grew up. I studied my bachelor's there and I worked there for a chamber of commerce. And from there, my journey went on to London, where I spent nearly two years. I then traveled to Sydney, where I did my MBA and also worked uh, within within the corporate world there. And I spent a fair bit of time in Asia before I moved back to Australia and to, to Melbourne, which we now call call home. Okay. And you always worked on uh, HR? No, I actually did my bachelor's in communication and marketing and I worked for the Chamber of Commerce when I lived in Norway and then I went to London and, and did something completely completely different but I got an opportunity to start a, a new startup company that has been very successful since. They're called Sweaty Betty and I and I started their branch within Selfridges uh, which is uh, – it was – it was a great challenge and very, very new. So that's what I did while I was in while I was in London. Wow, that sounds very different. So it must <laughs> have been an amazing experience. And then you end up in how did you end up in HR? So I came to Australia and I wanted uh, to start studying in like a really international environment. And doing an MBA at the University of Technology in Sydney gave me that opportunity. So I started working there. And to be honest, I didn't know what necessarily I wanted to do. So I did a major in corporate governance and, and HR. And the more I got into the HR part of it, the more interested I got uh, in it. And I started uh, working next to to studying as well, um, doing some contract work within HR. And I just love the variety that you have within HR. You look after a legal side of it, but you also work with leaders on coaching and, and developing culture. So I then decided to go to go into to HR, which I've been in since. Oh, okay. Now, you as a Nordic person and working here in, in Australia, so how do you bring your Nordicness into your work and maybe what are the f- kind of the characteristics that you you bring into your work uh, here in Australia? Yeah, so I, I thought I might start a little bit with talk about how I spent my childhood because I think how you grow up and what you take from that is is part of shaping us all in, in who we are and what we kind of bring forward in in our life. So I've heard some of the other guests as well talk about this, of, of, of growing up with this this huge sense of kind of freedom and being connected to nature and and I grew up roaming the forest around where where I live, and it was you know it's a very idyllic uh, idyllic landscape. We also have a cabin up in the mountain that we that we used to go to a lot when I was a child. And my father did orienteering, and I did that as well. And and uh, I was very familiar with being out in the forest and being un, unsupervised. And one of the things that I loved to do was just to run and not know where I was and then stop and try and figure out how to get my way home again. And I would spend hours doing that. And, and that feeling of kind of freedom and and being trusted to do that and the level of kind of resilience I, I think that building me is something I always kind of taken with me and crazy to think about now right like 
like that is so different from how my my children are, are growing up but I think I've taken that that with me and and being a female having both worked in the Middle East and now in Australia in leadership roles and often also been the youngest in the room those attributes have been really kind of key uh, because it hasn't always been easy and without challenges when I when I worked in the Middle East, and much have changed since I was there, because that's a good kind of 12, 13 years ago now. But I was the only female on, the, on, on that leadership team. I was also quite young. And there were times during meetings where, some, where I would have a hand raised up against me because I shouldn't be speaking or what I wanted to say shouldn't be heard. And that was super confronting. Um, and... Yeah, and a very and, and so so different to anything that I was used to before. And going back in the next day and and still believing that that you need to stay with that is something that requires resilience. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh my god. That would be would be so challenging and um you know, intimidating in many ways. So you need to have that resilience and the strength uh, to kind of yes, I will be come back and I will yes. I will speak again and yeah, totally understandable. Yeah, I think as well. I saw when I came to Australia, what really gave me um, an advantage here was that some of that. Well, coming from when you when you bring up and bringing that kind of like with you, I didn't I didn't have the same outlook on the world. Like I grew up in the 80s, one of the first prime ministers in Europe being a female was in Norway. So I was just used to seeing these female leadership characters. And, and I think coming here, I saw less, saw a lot less of that, but I still believed in it. I still believe that that was, that was something that, that you have as, as part of kind of your society. And I think being a Nordic, it's really given me the advantage of a confidence uh, in that. And, and coming from a culture that's probably more progressive when it comes to gender equality uh, than, than where, we're, where the journey is here in Australia um, at the moment. And some credibility because people look to me and say, well, you do it so well. <laughs> How do you do it? So it, it's kind of given an opening into having that dialogue. And I think a lot of the getting to unpack why it is that way, but more importantly, what we're going to be doing about it and what sits within that comes through a dialogue and, and, and starting opening up and having a very honest conversation about what the reality is for all of us, male or females, in order to then move forward and, and being able to create a more uh, equitable workplace. Yeah, I think we as a Nordics, it's so inbuilt in us uh, having the gender equality has been there for so long, so we we are born with it, and so we don't know anything else, and then be confronted something like I was confronted here when I came to Australia first time that I went to a meeting with my colleague who was a male, and they only spoke to him; they don't didn't speak to me, and I didn't understand what the issue was. Until afterwards, I realized that it was because I was a woman. And it was such a shock to me. It made me so <laughs> angry and frustrated. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And there's so, you know, I mean, Nordics yeah. are, um, you know, definitely champions in, in the whole gender equality. And it has been proven how good it is to have it in society, 
both both in socially and also economically that we have this gender equality. Yeah, and I think of that as well. When you're delivering to a customer, delivering to society, that is a diverse society, and being then having a diverse voice delivering that is so important in order to connect with what might be your customer or the society that you're delivering. I thought it was really interesting about you saying about your voice being heard because I was reflecting on before before us talking today about something very similar and I distinctly kind of remember starting my corporate career with with Jacobs that I've that I've been for now coming up to 10 years. There's so much of change and I'm so proud of the journey that we've taken and where we are today. But I remember being in a leadership meeting and, and I wanted to talk about diversity and I was so nervous uh, to do because it, it was not part of our regular conversations and you know there was 95% male uh, in that room and the 5% female was me and and looking around they were pretty much all the same age, same colour uh, so there was no diversity so starting that conversation is challenging because your starting point is so is so, is so different um, and I would find that I same to you, I would have ideas or points that I would make, but they weren't really being heard. And then a similar point would be made by a male and it was a great idea and it was carried forward. Now, that might have sometimes been the way that I also presented it or tabled it. But I don't think that was always the case. And I listened Mm. to a really great interview with Julie Bishop where she talked about that not being equally heard. And I was like, she's putting words to that, which is something that I found hard to articulate myself. But it was a very real thing. And, And you feel it, you know, it sits within you and you feel that when you walk out of a room. Yes. So how do you then tackle things? So what have you done to make you said that you're you're very proud the journey that you have you have now at, at Jacobs and things have dramatically changed. So what are the things that you feel that you have as a Nordic person uh, brought into that um, the value that you have brought into that community? Well, I think going back to that kind of story of that resilience has been really key and sticking with it. And tabling that as a topic, challenging that in a way that is non-confrontational, because I think these things we need to talk about and have dialogue about. Um, and I think that diplomatic approach is a very Nordic way of of approaching challenges. And I think that if 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 people are tabling how they how they feel, and we can connect on a human level with that, then we're getting somewhere. And there's a lot of fear around this. There's a lot of not knowing necessarily what to do or how to do it. So let's talk about that and then how we together can can get to a get to a better place. So I think not giving up on it, challenging it, trying to share and be brave in how I see it and how I feel it as a as a female and that there is a different way of doing it which is the Nordic uh, you know got some great examples and and they do very well so there's benefit to it like you said there's not just you know there's not just the fact that it's the right thing to do because it is 
but it also, you know, has economical benefits. It is giving you an opportunity to better serve your customers and connect with the society that is diverse in itself. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's definitely proven that there's social and economic effects that mean why the society is better off when women are treated fairly. And uh, but it's it's education. As I also, I was thinking that how important you said about the diplomatic way of talking about it and getting a, the message across. So how important it is to communicate it well. That you have to have these communication skills and also emotional intelligence that you can actually kind of step in the other person's shoes. And in this case, many times you have to think like a man because, okay, what, how this man thinks and what's the benefit of what I'm trying to get across now and what's the outcome that, what's the intention outcome we want. So the whole communication and, and maybe how we Nordics have been communicating um, is very important. In so many instances, Nordics have been great negotiators yes. in peace processes like in Norway and Finns. And I actually listened recently a conversation, a radio interview by a Norwegian peace negotiator. And she was negotiating, I think, in Salvador or somewhere in um, South America. But she said that there is actually a association for Nordic female peace, <laughs> peace negotiators, which I've never heard of. And I thought that is really so cool. cool. So... All these actually make sense now that somehow I think we have a way of, yeah. uh, of yeah. also communicating really well and get get the message across. Yeah, and we're doing at the moment at Jacobs a real focus about bringing your wholesale to work. And that's just not, you know, about, about females, but whoever that is for you and who you are. And I think that is directly connected with you being able to be the best you are, are as well. And just that freedom of speech because if you can't talk about what you did on the weekend because that doesn't fit you feel into the the norm of what might might be okay to talk about there's a disconnect so and, and that's a that's a real kind of a concept that I've seen have have got a lot of a lot of support and really speaks to me as well as the Nordic I can really I really can really buy into that and I, I see there's so much goodness in that oh that sounds absolutely great there must be also people who actually don't like the idea. And, you know, you must have challenges of getting resistance. So how do you then tackle that? Absolutely. And I think it's very confronting because traditionally that concept of bringing your whole self to work is not necessarily something that people are used to doing. And there's a fear in in being vulnerable and, and opening up in that way. Um so I think that there are not just one way you need to do it, but I think there's many ways uh, that you need to kind of approach it simultaneously, both through challenging yourself in how and what you are as a as, as a leader. Uh, I genuinely believe in long time learning, and you've got always got something to learn. You also got something to teach others. So, so I think it's being really kind of conscious about I creating that environment within my own team. Is that reflective of, of things like policies and procedures? Is it tabled and given space to on, on a leadership level and on team levels? And are we challenging 
and being brave in when we're seeing this or hearing this and calling that out. And there's ways of doing that. Sometimes there's appropriate to do that on a team level, but other times it might be a better approach to have a one-on-one conversation with people and ask them, what is your reality? Where did that come from? And share that. That to me, well, I was quite confronted by that. Or oh, this is actually how it made me how it made me feel. And I think that straightforwardness as well, which is very Nordic, uh, which I heard your other guests have talked about, is is something that I have definitely seen a couple of of people opening their eyes really widely at me, looking at me, going, "Yes, I can't believe she just said that so directly." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been there so many times. So, but it really brings about a different conversation, but I think it's one that needs to be done respectfully because my reality is mine based on how I grew up and their reality and what what they have is theirs, but trying to understand that. And then I think that if this is what you believe in as a company and and one of our four pillars of values is living inclusiveness of Jacobs, and if that if that's not something that that you believe in and that you believe that that you can be part of then 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 you know you might need to reconsider what works for you as well so yeah i think it's many ways you need to to look at it um, but i think the key the key thing is really really having dialogue and understanding each other yeah that sounds really you know it makes really a lot of sense and the whole thing i was thinking of that also like living this very multicultural society. So having, and also Jake was queen, I'm assuming there's a lot of males in your workforce. Yes, Uh, I've always worked in a very male-dominated industry. (laughs) Yeah, so there it's, uh, again, this this how you communicate with people is so important in, in understanding the background, understanding the other person's, uh, you know, background is so important. So it's it's ch- very challenging, but it's great that you definitely seems to uh, enjoy it a lot. So that's uh, that's great to see. Yeah, and I feel that you know I have a responsibility to you know I've got daughters. I, I want this to be a world where they can grow up feeling that they're equaled and 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 just as just as valued uh and you know there's so many times in my career where I've heard oh just make him think that it was his idea and it'll happen and I really struggle with that concept (laughs) I and I'm thinking can I actually tell can I tell my my children that can I tell them that's okay just be a little bit less than you are and and just make it make it think that 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 there was someone else's and you kind of be okay because equality is about having an equal voice and about being equally equally heard so I kind of go back at Charles myself going saying is that something that I could that I could tell my girls is okay and if I don't think it is I'll have to challenge it Yes, uh, that that would be so hard. I would totally find it extremely challenging. Okay, so can you give some examples of uh, what you've done in in Jacobs to kind of bring these values in in your culture? Yes, I think, and we spoke a little bit about it around kind of transparency and what what and what we do. And we recently. Um, created a new operating model for our Australian New Zealand uh, business as well as for my for my HR 
uh, HR team. And we did that together uh, as, a, as a team where everybody had the opportunity to contribute. And traditionally, uh, that is something um, that is done with a business leader and HR uh sitting down, mapping it out, and then rolling it out and, and, and telling people this is how it's going to be. So it's quite unusual and quite unusual in Australia to do it to do it that way. And I think the outcome is so much more advantageous in having people's buy-in, people having had the opportunity um, to share uh, how they felt about it. It didn't it, – you're never going to please every everybody, but there's an opportunity to table it and you know what, what those concerns are so you can address them. So that real co-ownership and transparency, I think, is very much a, a Nordic uh, – a Nordic – a Nordic approach um, – and bringing, and bringing that to it has, a, I think, a huge benefit on an individual level, a team level, and an organizational level. It's so much more easier if you, you know, as you said earlier, can be your true self and you, your voice will be heard that these things are important. So that sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I think it's not an easy conversation because you're talking about the impact on your role. So like that's a pretty confronting, you know, thing to deal with. So you you have to stay with that and go through the emotions that come through doing that. But the maturity you get with people being able to put aside their individual need or even individual feelings about something to co-create something that's the best for the entire team, that's a that is just a amazing asset to have um, as, a, as, a, as a company and as a team. That sounds very Nordic, so well done. <laughs> very Nordic. <laughs> you have also another world that you have tackled and you started a startup company uh, some time ago. Yes, yes, I did. So I started a company called Anaraki. And I did it with my very uh, dear friend, uh, Gemma Piper, which I worked with for many years uh, before. Our first maternity leave, we were talking about starting a company. The second one, we actually went ahead and did it. And uh, we built an Iraqi on the concept of fritid, which is the Norwegian word for in-between time, non-scheduled, non-planned, where you're just allowed to be and do what you want. And, and for us, that often, that means often being outside. So Anoraki is a company that sells Scandinavian Anorak, which is an um, outer layer jacket, uh, which I don't think there's a single Scandinavian who does not have an Anorak. <laughs> Most of them will have more than one. Would you agree? <laughs> I, I used to have them, definitely. Yes, absolutely. My, I used to have my mom's one that I loved it, and I always used to wear it when I went to cross-country skiing. Yeah, yeah. My first one was a hand-me-down from my grandmother, and it was a really nice way of me bringing, I guess, that my legacy, bringing my heritage uh, to to Australia. So we searched high and low across Scandinavia trying to find the perfect anorak jacket and a company that we could partner with in bringing our concept to life because we wanted that that connection with Scandinavia and the Nordic. So that was really important to us. So we have partnered with a family-owned Finnish 
company called Our Collection uh, that have been around for more than 40 years. Um, and they make uh, anoraks that are the very much as traditional anoraks, but they have they have uh, made it a little bit more hip for the younger kind of generation and they've brought in some amazing kind of colours and, and design as well. And, um, and we ended up partnering with them. And yeah, we bring the anoraks to Australia and send it through and sell it through our company called, uh, called Anoraki. And the, the fee, you know, the, as having an anoraki, as you say, they, it had, it's handmade town. So it has, it's always extremely good quality. You know, you can, you can definitely wear it for years and years and years and all yeah. year round. So it, also the whole thing of sustainability is a fantastic uh, feature in anoraki. What, what yeah. other features you think that the value that people, you know, purchasing Anoraki will get? Yeah, well, the exact, I mean, that's one of the key ones. They make, they build to last a lifetime. And the kind of one of the concepts that we, we use is, is buy once and buy well. So that when you do buy an Anorak, it should be there with you for for years to come and it's a real investment in something that's very practical and and one of the reasons that I fell in love with it and I started wearing it when I was home on maternity leave and getting out of the house and getting out of the house quickly was something that I really needed needed to do having two small two small children and it was just a throw-on coat that you could pop on regardless of weather Uh, it has the biggest pockets in the world so I didn't need a bag which is great (laughs) so I could wrestle my children (laughs) and not lose my bag and my stuff and it's That's just yeah, just so utter like <laughs> practical and, and and we brought in the anorak that's one layer um it's got a coating on it so you can wear it out uh in rain wind sun um as well so it was really that you could use it across the seasons within australia so it really subscribed to that element of sustainability of being able to really wear it and i lived in my anorak jacket and absolutely loved it so being able to kind of share that here that real nordic of getting out there regardless of weather because you know as you know we say there's no such thing as bad clothing there's only bad weather so that's <laughs> so, right so you know there's no excuse for not getting out and being outside yeah that to me are the are the biggest benefits of the anorak jacket and they look really cool and they delicious colors and uh people yes. if you want to have a look uh, go to anoraki.com.au i'll have a i have a link uh after this um interview and also that how they made they actually made in finland yes. and in estonia isn't it that they they um, kind of very sustainably made yeah and, and that was one of the key things why we and wanted to 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 partner and had that great opportunity to partner with with our collection they've got a fully transparent supply chain they're ethical in how they produce environmentally friendly in the dyeing process and we worked really hard on some things that that kind of seems small but we've got no plastic for example uh, from the producer through to our customer here in Australia and that's a lot of work putting into it but something we're really proud of and 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 our and our bit in trying to do every step of it the best we can and minimize and, and minimize impact to you know to to the environment with with how we do things as well yeah that sounds so fantastic and i i, I don't know in these times i feel like if i buy something i want to buy something good i actually don't 
like to buy things anymore at all. But uh, something like, you know, you know that it's sustainably made and it will last long. It looks great. It's very cool. You know, it's such a great product to have. And yes, definitely worthwhile to purchase. Well, thank you. Yeah, we are very, we're very, uh, we're very proud of it. <laughs> That's great. Hey, everyone. Just quickly, you heard us talking about Silja's startup Anorakki. Anorak jackets originated in the Nordic region and were used to protect folk from the harsh natural elements. The traditional Anorak jackets is a pullover style jacket with a zip and hood. Silja's anoraks have changed very little from this except features that will suit our modern busy lifestyle. They are contemporary Nordic design, 100% high quality brushed cotton fabric that is strong and durable and ethically made in Finland and Estonia by our collection. They are unisex and Nordic Insight listeners get 10% off and free shipping in Australia and in New Zealand by quoting Nordic when ordering. Anoraki offers full returns. Visit anoraki.com.au That's A-N-O-R-A-K-K-I.com.au And now back to the show. One thing I actually want to ask you about Nordicness, that there is definitely difference in many ways how the Nordics thinks and... What things get you inspired when you think about your Nordics or how do you inspire others? I think that real kind of sense of of freedom is really something I try and instill. And if I think about, you know, my team and how we work uh, as an HR team supporting um, the Australia and New Zealand part of the business that we look after, it's very it's very much a, a free kind of approach to how and when you do your when you do your work i expect us to deliver as a team and i expect you to to you know to do that for yourself uh, but it's it's a freedom in how you choose to kind of uh, go about go about doing that because i think it's directly linked to what outcome uh, you get we've got a very kind of flat structure it's really about us all coming together and 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 achieve together and i think having respectfully challenged dialogues which i spoke about earlier as well is something that i really encourage and and i try to do that myself and and i ask for and i ask for feedback uh, quite regularly as a as a leader and i know i know my team will tell me good bad great <laughs> they'll come to me and they'll and they'll talk about it and and i think if you can have that level of trust and that level of 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 dialogue you're going to achieve some great some great things together and it doesn't mean you always necessarily need to you need to agree yeah and also what about your family life because your husband is not not nordic No, no. So my husband is from New Zealand. So I mean, if you look at the map, it's as furthest part as as you can find, probably two nations. But there's actually quite a bit of similarity between New Zealand and and Norway, both in size, but also I think uh, a, a little bit about a little bit how we live uh, as well. So there's some there's some things that we that we definitely on a culture point kind of connect with. 
but I do. We do have regular uh, conversation, respectful challenges as well as time on how we kind of view the world, and I think that. I think that you have to do that at home as well as within your work life. And we have got a very, a very equal way to, to parent. At the moment now, my husband are with the children <laughs> and, I, and I'm here. We split our diaries and, nice. and painfully so I'll, I'll sometimes go to the hour and say, well, it's got to, it's got to be 50 50. And I think that we have got a, got a very equal way of, taking responsibilities but I still think there are things that me I as a female juggle juggle more and I think the mental load is very very real in terms of all those small things that adds up to many big things so um, I try to constantly have dialogue about that as well so too (laughs) yes I I know what you mean I know what you mean and I think we just see things differently yeah. We women see things differently. You know, we, we look at the house and the things to do and we see 20 things we have we think we have to do and then a male maybe see five. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that. Yeah. And I think yeah. some of it is about giving up some control as well because, you know, there are definitely things that I, I wanted to control more. And, again, if you're going to – you got to give that, you know, that freedom of scope that people do things differently. So, so I've had to bite yep. my tongue more than once because I'm relatively outspoken, being a Nordic as well, right? By going, no, that's that's then up to to do it their way. <laughs> yes, it's learning about your controlling yourself. I I know exactly what you mean. I have exactly the <laughs> same issues. Now, it's been really lovely to talk to you and very interesting to hear, learn about your journey. If people would like to have a look and Anoraki, so that's anoraki.com.au, isn't it? Yes. And you also on Instagram and Facebook. Correct. Yeah. So follow us, follow us there. And if you want to share some stories around uh, around your your anorak experience or, or Nordic part, we would love to hear from you. So yeah, just get in touch with us and, and share that through our social media. That's great to hear. Great, thanks a lot. Lovely to have you here as a guest. Thank you for having me. Don't forget hit subscribes so you don't miss any episodes. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate if you would leave a quick rating and review. You can also find Nordic Insights on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Voi hyvin, hale sopra, take care.